Lord's grace surely is a very powerful, powerful thing. He said, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. The Lord is still working with me on that pride. He's still breaking that pride. But I thank him for his mercy. And I thank him for his grace, even in my pride. As I'm repenting and seeking him and making corrections in my life, his grace is being poured out upon me. And I'm so grateful for that because I don't deserve a thing. I don't deserve a thing. This week in Nigeria was a very powerful week. Way beyond what my mind or my heart could conceive or imagine. We think we know God. We think we know his plans for us and others. We say what God won't do. He won't do that. We don't, we don't know anything. My mind has been blown once again. There's just some things I cannot share and some things I won't because I want to give my husband the opportunity to share. But I will tell you, I have felt his grace once again. And as I mature in Christ, I recognize that grace. I'm grateful for that grace. The empowerment to do what you could not do in your own human natural strength or mind. And that grace can be accessed by faith. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's nothing you can work for because God doesn't want you to get credit for it. He doesn't want you to boast and brag about what you did because you didn't do a thing. He did it all. He did it all. Amen. Well, happy Mother's Day. Happy, happy Mother's Day. What a blessing it is to be with you this morning. I hear Francia did a great job on yesterday. Praise the Lord. So proud of her. Hey, go ahead and take your seats. Thank you, praise team. Y'all are awesome. <laughs> she did a wonderful job yesterday. I remember when I prayed and asked the Lord, when I knew I would not be here I'm on Saturday, asking the Lord, who should minister in my stead? Who should it be? And immediately her face came up. And I thought, okay, well, I wonder if she's going out of town for Mother's Day. Maybe she has other plans, but let me just check and see if she'll be in town on that Saturday. So... But I saw her face clear as day. I knew it was to be her. Just like last year it was Kim Prude. I knew. It was, it was Francia. And so it's amazing when you follow the Lord and you then talk to the individual. And they say, yes, ma. Yes, ma. No problem. Yes, ma. I got it. What do you want me to speak on? And, but then they really have these things going on in their hearts. So I'm so grateful, again, to Francia for her willingness, her obedience, her humility. Did a wonderful job, and thank you all for who, whoever was there who heard her speak. Thank you for praying for her and being there for her and strengthening her. I watched most of her ministry yesterday while I was in Nigeria, packing and getting ready to come on back home. But it is, it is amazing. It is amazing how God uses us and how he uses our gifts. And she, she mentioned about, I've only been a mother 13 years. Why would she ask me? Well, it was God. It wasn't my idea. It was only my idea to pray and ask God, who would you have speak to your people? So we thank God for that, but we thank God that I am here today because Francie was on standby, like just in case. But at the top of the week, I asked the Lord. I said, I have a lot going on in my life. None of these things are a surprise. You already know. So I'm asking at the top of the week for you to give me your grace this week. And he has answered questions for me. 
He has broken me in some areas that needed to be broken because sometimes I am not quick to change and that's not a good way to be. We all need to be quick when the Lord brings things to our attention, be quick to change, not make excuses. So I'm thankful for his mercy once again to keep working with me, working with me. So this week, I really felt his grace and abundance and even being here this morning. I just, those long flights, I'm like, I can't sleep, I can't sleep. But I got a massage at the airport. I slept at my husband's urging or what? I wouldn't say urging. He made me do it. (laughs) He made me do it. And I'm thankful for that because I was able to relax and sleep and rest and, and not like you would in your own bed, but I'm here. Thank God. And Terrence and Carmen are here. So I praise the Lord for them because they were on our trip this week. And the, and the Lord did some wonderful things in their lives. He really, really did. He really did. And so this morning, I'm here to minister to minister a word to the mothers. But how Holy Spirit is, the fathers will get something, the single woman would get something, the single men would get something, the grandmothers would get something. We will all be blessed if your heart is open and your mind is open to hear from the Lord. Amen. Amen. So the title of today's message is The Power of a Mother's Love. The Power of a Mother's Love. The Lord gave children mothers for a reason and not just to transport them and get them into the earth. He gave them mothers for a reason. So give me that first graphic, Cherish. Now, I don't call myself Lady Lorana. It's either First Lady Pastor or just Lorana or Sister Turnbow, whatever. But I thought it was cute. Lady Lorana's list of do's and don'ts for showing love to your children on those tongue twisters. Lady Lorana's list of do's and don'ts for showing love to your children. So I have scriptures that I want to review with you all from the Bible of mothers and what they did concerning their children. But Holy Spirit and I put this list together of how you can express love, show love, demonstrate love to and for your children. And they might not be your biological children. They might be your spiritual children, people that you mentor. But nevertheless, the Lord has given you an assignment to see about these kids. They could be young ones. They could be older ones. They could be adults. They could be grandmothers themselves. But the Lord has commanded us, has given us assignments to mother people, to love them, to help them, to guide them. So the first thing in showing your love and demonstrating love is to pray for them. Pray for your children. Pray for those with whom you have been entrusted. You pray for them into your very last breath. Because if you don't, who will? Who will pray for your children? Who will pray for the orphans? Who will pray for the foster children? Who will pray? If you don't pray, you need to take it personal. Like, this is my personal assignment. Pray for them. There's some things the Lord can get to them that you can't get to them. You can talk to you blue in the face, but it's through prayer, through Holy Spirit, and things come up in that child. I remember my mom praying for me because I was just so headstrong. There were just some things. I'm I'm grown. I am grown. Now I'm living in her house, but but I'm grown. And there were just some things that, needed, that she needed to impart into me that I was not getting. So she prayed for me. She prayed. My father prayed for me. 
Never underestimate the power of prayer. And if you have not been doing it, let your heart be convicted because we are women who pray. Amen. Amen. We're consistent in prayer. Amen. Be consistent in prayer because just like the enemy is after you, he's after your children. The enemy is very real and, and children are not exempt. I mean, one of my children woke up one morning and she was just mad. Nothing had happened. She hadn't even gotten out the bed. I'm like, what's going on? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? And she starts crying. I'm just mad. Why are you mad? Did anything happen? Did a sibling say something to you? No, I'm just mad. I said, oh, I recognize what this is. And I want you to recognize who this is. This is the enemy because nothing happened to you. No circumstances that will make you feel bad. The enemy is real, and I think she's about, I don't know, 9 or 10 at the time, 9 or 10, maybe 8. But we have to train our children to recognize the enemy and take authority over him. It starts by praying. We must forgive them. Kids are immature. Children can be very selfish. Immature. They can say some stupid things. They can do some stupid things. We can say and do some stupid things as old as we are. And our Heavenly Father still forgives us. Amen. We must be mothers who will not hold a grudge. Even if your child never repents or ever apologizes, we must forgive them because the enemy is always looking for a way to divide. If he can keep you from praying for them and imparting, imparting wisdom into them, then he can keep those kids bound. He can get them bound. So we must forgive them and let them know they're forgiven and that they're loved. We must believe in them. Believe in them. Not tell them their idea is stupid or it's crazy. I believe in you, son. I believe in you, daughter. I don't exactly understand your vision right now. I don't really see it quite yet. I don't quite get it, but I believe in you. And you can do anything. You can do anything. If that's the path you believe God is calling you to, you can do anything. And no devil in hell can keep you from it. We must believe in them. I remember when I was, um, the Lord had given me a vision about going to Bible school. And at that time, I was the last one at home. All the other siblings had left home. I was the last one. And my mom was like, it's time for you to get your own place. It's time for me to be free and be on my own for you to be on your own. And so I wasn't greatly distressed by it because I thought, yeah, you're right. It's a good idea. I should be on my own. I mean, I'm getting older. I should be on my own. And as I was in that process of looking for some place to live, the Lord showed me in a vision. I was to go to Bible school. I was like, well, how am I going to do that and live on my own and pay all these bills? How can I do that? So I went to my mom and I said, well, mom, I know what you said, but the Lord has shown me I'm supposed to go to Bible school. I said, I've been praying about it. And he showed me in a vision on a chalkboard. I mean, he was just laid out in chalk. And I'm supposed to go in 93, 94. That's the first school year I'm supposed to go then. And she said, are you sure? I said, more than I am of my own name. She named me. I didn't name me. She named me. So more, I'm more sure about my path than my own name. And so she said, okay, are you sure it's not because your friends are going to Bible school? So she did question it, which is perfectly fine. And I just said, okay, mom, that's it. I am going to go. I would like your blessing. But if not, I have, to, I have to obey God. And she came right around. I don't want you to move out. You can stay here. I will support you. I will love you. I will pray for you. I will help you. And you can stay here. You don't have to move out. And I was there for another two years. 
Encourage them. Encourage your children. Compliment them. Don't say, why are you looking crazy? Why your hair look like that? They might be trying something new. They're exploring, exploring some new ideas of their hair, their makeup, their clothes. Been there, done that. You're like, oh, that's interesting. But they may look in the mirror and be like, you know what? I hate this hairstyle. I hate these clothes. This is silly. I shouldn't have wore this. Give them a chance to explore and compliment them, especially when they're looking good. And you think they're looking good. You think they look, they're looking good. Compliment them. It's okay to tell our daughters they're beautiful. Because if we don't, others will. They will hear the wrong voices. Okay? Fathers, mothers, tell them they're beautiful. Support them. Their dreams and visions. And it may not always be the path that God wants. So you just pray for them. Don't discourage them. Pray for them. And give them your godly wisdom. Fight for them. Fight for them. No matter how long it takes. You may, some may have wayward children. They're out there doing their own thing right now. But if you are a godly woman, you fight for your children. Don't let the devil have them. You may be discouraged. You may be upset. You may be sorrowful. You may be sad because your children was raised a particular way. And they chose a different path. And that might upset you a moment. I've sacrificed my whole life for them. And they choose this path. Yes, like you made your own choices. The Bible says if you train them up in the way they should go, they will not depart. They will not depart. But you say, well, what if they do depart? Pray, forgive, believe, encourage, and you fight. You fight. There was someone fighting for you, and that's why you're in this room right now, because someone was fighting for you. It may have been your grandmother. It may have been a neighbor. could have been the mother at the church. It could have been anyone that you don't even know. could have been halfway around the world praying in tongues. They see your face. And they just keep on praying, keep on praying. I don't know this woman, but I see her face. I mean, the Lord has shown me so many faces of people. I have no idea who they are. I may not meet these people until on the other side of heaven, but you pray, you fight, you respect them. Listen to them. Listen. Let them get out whatever it is they want to say. Let them get it out. You might have the right answer. You may know what they're supposed to do, but at least let th- give them the respect to hear them out. Apologize to them. Apologize. It could have been your offense could have been 10 years ago. And sure you forgot it because it came out of you. Your tone, what you said, it came out of you. So you're not going to remember, but they remember. And if you ever give them the open door to talk to you, then you have to say, wow, that happened when you were 10. I don't even remember it. But if you said I did it, I did it. And I'm sorry. Forgive me. It was never my intent to hurt you. I was in a bad place. Don't make excuses. Don't make excuses. To say you were in a bad place is not an excuse. Like, I was in a bad place. I didn't do the right thing, and I'm sorry. And I owe you that. I'm sorry you had to carry this for all the... We have people in inner healing and deliverance that have carried burdens for years because of things that were said to them. And the mothers refusing to apologize to their sons because they were angry with the fathers or to their daughters because the daughters are just like them without the Holy Ghost. 
So you're mad at the daughter who is just like you with the mouth and the sass, but she doesn't have the Holy Ghost right now. So pull back a little bit and recognize, okay, keep on playing for this girl right here because the Lord going to get her. The Lord's going to, not me, I'm going to keep loving her, keep loving him, and the Lord will get them. Serve them. Sacrifice for them. Laugh with them. That's one of my most favorite things to do with my children is laugh. We do some silly stuff. Just laugh. I see them laugh right now. <laughs> laugh with them. Embrace and hug them. Embrace and hug them. There's something very powerful about an embrace, about a hug, when someone is sad or happy. I mean, just a touch. Just a touch. Just say, I love you so much. Something so powerful about that transmission of love through touch. When I was in school many years ago, many years ago, decades ago, there was a study about babies who did not thrive. They did not thrive because they weren't touched, they weren't healed. And I used to ignorantly think that when my children got older, they would need me less because they would be more autonomous, they can do, they can brush their own teeth and go to the potty. I would think, okay, yeah, they're small, they need me, they depend on me, but as they've gotten older, I recognize they need me more. They need the affirmation. They need the love. They need the touch. They need to be held. They need to be told, you matter. They need to be told, you might not know the path your life is supposed to go right now, and that's okay. You don't have to have all the answers right now today. I'm going to keep praying for you and loving on you because the answers will come. As you seek the Lord and as I seek the Lord, the answers will come. Rest assured, you don't have to have it figured out at 18. And maybe at 21, you still don't have it all figured out. And it's okay, baby. I got you. The Lord will speak. The Lord will direct. Reassure them. Love them. Hug them. Embrace them. Kiss them. Again, if you won't, someone else will. Imagine, think about how you feel, how comfort you feel when someone hugs you that, that really loves you. Think about the babies when they're not well. They're lethargic. All they want to do is be healed. It doesn't take away the cough or the fever. But just being in my mommy's lap makes me feel like everything's going to be all right. Amen. Teach them. Discipline them. Correct them. Be truthful with them. Do not lie to them. The Bible says to speak the truth in love. You have to tell them the truth. And sometimes it might hurt. When I've heard the truth, it's hurt. But the Bible says you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You will know the truth. Tell them the truth. Now, here's my list of don'ts. Don't criticize them. There's a series on Netflix. I'm not going to call the name. But in this particular episode, the father was very displeased that the son had a stammer. He had a speech impediment. It did not mean the boy was dumb. In fact, he was quite intelligent. He had an issue. So never make your child's issue the main thing. Let's get to the root of the issue and get you some help. If help is required, if help is needed. Don't criticize them. Don't belittle them. In your anger or your displeasure, 
because words cut. When I was little, they said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. On the contrary, they will stay with you for a lifetime. I mean, a, I mean, you could be about your business 50 years later and you could hear something that someone said when you were five. And they just stung. Like the neighbors saying we were bastards because we had, you know, because we didn't have, you know, our, my mother wasn't married to our father, all that. I'm like, why would you say something like that? And then the child repeats it. So the mama said it in front of the child, the child repeats it. And I was like, what does that mean? I didn't even know what it meant. I just, it just sounded so harsh. Like, what, what is that? What is a bad? I just, it's a bad word. I just, and so even at my age, it doesn't sting me, but I know that it was spoken over me. I know that it was said. And so how much more as a mother, mothers speak words of life, yes. kindness. They give life and they build up and not tear down. This series, the man, the father, he just spoke so harshly. It hurt me. It's a TV show and it hurt me. I could not understand the darkness this man could be in to say these words over his own flesh and blood, the child that come from his body. And sometimes in our darkness, we can say things we really don't mean. And our anger just goes back to apologizing to our kids. If the Lord brings something to your remembrance, you said 15 years ago or 15 minutes ago, don't be too big to go and apologize. And they may have said, it's okay, mommy, I forgive you. That's great, but I need to say it to you. I need to repent. I need to apologize. Amen? Don't embarrass them. Don't talk negatively about them to the siblings, to other family members, to outsiders, anybody. Now, your spouse, you may have to address some things. So you share the information to address it, but not, to, not for the sake of belittling the child, talking negatively about them. Don't disrespect them. Don't abandon them, neglect them, or abuse them. Now, you may say, well, mine live in my household, or mine did live in my household, but you can still abandon them and neglect them and abuse them verbally, emotionally. You can be physically there, but not there emotionally. You can be physically there and abandon them. You can be physically there and neglect them because of your career, your aspirations, Things you have on your mind, things you're going through. You can abandon them. You can abuse them emotionally and, or, or neglect them. So let's look at Matthew chapter 15, verses 22 through 28. So that is my list of do's and don'ts for showing love to your children. I'm sure there are many others, but that was what the Holy Spirit and I came up with. Matthew chapter 15, verses 22 through 28. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on, 15, babe, 15, 22. Okay, we're, we're here, we're here, we're here. My, that's my bad. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. What will you do when Jesus won't cry? You're crying out to him for your child. What will you do? Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all of her begging. No, this is a mother's love in action. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, 
It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. This woman was not giving up. She was not giving up. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. I've had challenges where I've had to stand for my children. And whether it was in my womb or outside my womb, it's all the same for me. I'm like, I fought for you then. I fight for you now. I will fight for you till I take my last breath. This is a wonderful example of a woman. She recognized her child was, was vexed. She goes to someone for help, and he says no. He ignored her. But she would not stop persisting. She would not stop. She continued. She continued until he said, your, fate, your request is granted. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. So here you have a woman of God whose husband has died, has not left any life insurance, no provisions, left her in debt. And her sons are going to be taken, because back in that time, you owe some money to come to get your kids. Hide your kids, hide your kids, hide your kids. Hide your kids. Hide your kids. That's what I would have told her. But listen to what the prophet said. He said, what can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Mothers, single and married alike, we love to see our children blessed. We, we could give them the word, we want to give them everything. I mean, everything in the whole wild world, right? And the Lord and his wisdom will give us provision. He'll give us ways to do it, but sometimes we're too afraid to step out and do it. It could be a business idea. And that business will bring great resources into your household to help you. And let's see what happened with this woman. She said, I have nothing at all except a flask of oil, olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Well, what if she was in pride and embarrassed? And her pride prevented her from going to borrow. I don't want to call Mama Nell. I don't want to call so-and-so. And the Lord is saying, call Keisha, call Keisha. She got it, call Keisha. She'll help you. I don't want to call Keisha. I don't want to call Mama Nell. He told her to go and borrow. Go back, Cherish. Please. Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and your neighbors. Okay, now, wait a minute. It's one thing to ask my family. My friends and neighbors. I don't want them knowing my business. I won't fuck some. They already know your husband died. They already know you're left with two children to care for. They already know. So go ahead and step out there, humble yourself, and do what the man of God said. Go to the next slide. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Now you can put people out your business. Go in and shut the door. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. He gave very specific instructions. Do not assume what God is doing in your child's life. Just because you didn't become an aviator, don't, don't pressure your daughter to do it. 
You want to be an air traffic controller. Don't pressure her. You see she has all these gifts. You know, she's good in math and science. and She should be a doctor. Why? Because you said so? What has God called that girl to do? What has God called that boy to do? He want to play softball. He wants to play baseball. You want him to play football. No, nah, son, you should do this. Why? But dad, this was really in my heart. Mom, this was really in my heart. Let what's in the child's heart come forth. You may not get it. You may not understand it because you're not supposed to understand everything. And guess what? The kid may not understand just yet, but let them explore. And they may say, you know what? I tried it and I hate it. Or I tried it and this is the best thing ever. Thank you, mommy, for letting me do this. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jar, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. When God gives you an instruction, do as you're told. In this house, we have women who are obedient to the word, Amen. obedient to God, Amen. obedient to the Holy Spirit, Amen. women who are submitted to the word, Amen. submitted to God, Amen. submitted to the Holy Spirit, Amen. and they do as they are told. Amen. And her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of the sons. Now she got a little rhythm going on. She's doing it now, filling all the jars. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts. And you and your sons can live on what is left over. She could have had an attitude to the husband. Why you leave me with no life insurance? You just left me. My kid's going to be sold. She went to the man of God. In our case, we can go directly to the father. Amen. What am I supposed to do? I haven't a clue. He died unexpectedly. Left me with all this debt. What do I do? She listened and she followed and she fought for her boys. Otherwise, she could have just said, well, oh, well, I'll see y'all on the other side. And they would have been sold into slavery. And you know what? Sometimes, even though this is a natural example of debts, sometimes the enemy will come for your children and we just won't fight. Oh, well, there's nothing more I can do because you prayed one time. But in this house, we have praying women. We pray into our last breath. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 through. This is kind of long, but I'll get through it quickly. Verses 8 through 37. I needed to read the whole story to give you everything. One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. That was her discernment right there. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. One day, Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to this upper room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her. Where's her name? Where's her name? I want to speak to her. He didn't, he didn't say her name, did he? God doesn't have to know your name. He knows where you are and who you are and what you need. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied. My family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? 
Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son, and her husband is an old man. Now, he's got to be old. The Bible says he's old. He's old. <laughs> and for him to say he's old, I mean, we don't know what's happening, right? He's old. So maybe she won't have children. We don't know. But the Lord can do anything. He doesn't care if you're old, you're young, you're rich, you're poor, you're big, you're small, you're in the suburbs, you're in the ghetto, you're in the earth. He doesn't, it doesn't matter. Nothing is too difficult for God. He said, call her back again. Elisha told him when the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year, at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. Next year, at this time. But that woman had to be in a place to hear God speak. He can't give you a word if you're not positioned to hear him. If your heart is not positioned to hear him, he's trying to give you a word to encourage you on your path because he knows how difficult it is. He is not surprised of your circumstances. He knows you lost your job. He knows this happening. He knows everything you're going through. He knows. But she was positioned. He said, next time, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. She said, no, my Lord. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. And there are sometimes we won't believe God because we've been disappointed. We won't believe God again. Believe him again. Believe him again. Believe him again. Because there is nothing too difficult for our father. Things happen and sometimes you don't know the reasons why they happen. And this week I found out, I saw the manifestation of some things that happened, but I did not know the reasons why they happened. I got some backstory this week. I'm like, oh, my Lord. Such is the same in our lives. Things will happen and we'll be disappointed and we'll be upset. We're like, why this happened? Why this happened? Why this happened? But if you could talk to the individual, they would say, I was disobedient. I wouldn't repent. I wouldn't apologize. God gave me an instruction. I disobeyed him. If we could talk to that individual, we might find out. Be sure, but sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elijah had said it. One day when her child was older, he went out to help his father who was working in the har with the harvesters. Suddenly he cried out, my head hurts. My head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he died. He died. What do you do when the promise dies? You resurrect it. You call it back. You don't accept the death. You don't accept that. She, she carried him up. Where we at number 20? She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. And she shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband. Send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can, I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today, he asked. Is it neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath? But she said, it will be all right. She didn't even tell her husband. I remember when I went to the doctor, I was pregnant with Elizabeth, our fifth child. And the doctor told me there's too much alpha fetal protein in your blood. Your child would likely have a neural tube defect, like spina bifida. And I said, thank you. I appreciate you letting me know. I left there and I said, not so. Not so. I said, Father, if there's anything wrong with this baby in my womb, you're going to fix her. And when she comes out, she will be perfect. 
So the doctor then says to me that she, you know, do I want to take a test or amniocentesis? I'm like, what are the side effects? Well, you could miscarry. Well, no, thank you. Why would I want to? Do, why would I want to risk that? But maybe she had been in this place before with other mothers who said, you know what? I want to. I don't want to go through the pregnancy. But I believe God, and this woman believed God. She said, so she sat on her donkey and said to the servant, "Hurry! Don't slow down unless I tell you to. Keep going as fast as you can." As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her at a distance. He said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you, your husband, and your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi, everything is fine. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. Then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say don't deceive me and get my hopes up? I can imagine a mama right now. I told you don't play with my emotions. I told you don't play with me. You better get this right. I told you don't play with me. Then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. Talking about, I mean, this mama right here say, I'm not letting go. You gave me this kid. I'm getting this kid back. I will not let this promise die. Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid his staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. Do you give up? No. He returned to meet Elisha and told him the child is still dead. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth his eyes on the child's eyes and his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm, began to grow warm again. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once and then stretched himself out again on the child. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi. I called the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. Take him. Take the boy. She fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. When the Lord resurrects a promise. When the Lord brings the desired promise to pass. When we bow at his feet and get in gratitude. Or when we complain about it didn't happen fast enough. It didn't happen last week. Oh, man, it didn't happen a year ago. Man, I've been believing for this boy for five years, and you finally did it. No, she fell at his feet with gratitude. Do not let yourself be found murmuring when the Lord brings to pass that which you desired. She carried the son in her arms down the stairs. Do not be found murmuring and complaining about the Lord's timing because he knows way more than we know. His thoughts are way beyond our thoughts and his 
ways are way beyond our ways. And I mean, I'm telling you, if, if I could have had my way, there was been many things I would have done differently in my life. And I would have been 100% wrong. I would not have enjoyed my life the way I have because I got out of the, I had to get out of the way. I mean, it wasn't, it was by force though. It's like, okay, put you over here. I'm going to do this, 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 this. We have to get out of the way. First Kings 17 verses 8 through 24. Then the Lord said to Elisha, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now she's a widow. Why is a widow feeding the man of God? She may be low on provision. So why is she expected to take care of him? Let's find out. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. Like, wait a minute now, you're getting greedy. But she said, I swear by the Lord, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. When the Lord is asking you for anything, he's not asking you to give it to him so you can go somewhere and die. He's asking so he can bless you. So never see the Lord's commandments or his request as a punishment. If you will obey, you will see on the other side the obedience, the revelation, and the promise of what God was trying to get to you. But if we stop at the request, we won't receive it. If she just said, no, I beg your pardon, sir. How dare you? I'm a widow. I got a baby. How dare you? Get out of my house. Get out of my village. Goodbye. She would have indeed died. But the Lord sent the man of God and he was asking her, just give me a little bit first. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to give. Don't be afraid to obey. Father, I thank you for grace in this house for mothers to obey your commandment. In their fear and uncertainty, Father, I thank you for grace to obey. He said, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make me a little bread first. Dedicate what you have to God first. I have these $10. What would you have me do with it? Well, I want you to get not give nine to your neighbor. Well, I only have 10. Well, I only ask for nine. I mean, I've been there. With my last, and he asked for the whole thing, the whole $5, the whole $50. He asked for the whole thing. He knows that's my last, and he also knows what he's going to do. He said, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make me a little bread first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. It sounds like a tie to me. Give me the 10%. Take the 90 for yourself. Don't keep the whole 100. Give me the 10 and you keep the 90. Let's go to the next slide. For this is what the Lord, the, what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days, many days. Don't be afraid, mothers. 
Whether your babies are new out the womb or whether they're 55 or 75, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elisha. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. Wait, this is the same son that's going to die? Wait a minute, wait a minute. He became sick. He grew worse and worse and finally died. Then she said to Elisha, oh, man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? No, it's the enemy that's done this. The enemy. But Elisha replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying, and laid the body on his bed. Then Elisha cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, why have you brought this tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elisha's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elisha brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. Then the woman told Elisha, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Ruth. Now, these three instances, these are, these are biological mothers and their children. They've died, they're vexed, they're, they're demon-possessed. But I love this book. It is such a beautiful book of love and loyalty. Ruth was not Naomi's biological daughter. She was her daughter-in-law. But Naomi loved her as her own. And I have been thinking about these two women for like probably the last six months. I mean, they're just like, the Lord just gives me something different out of this book. And so I'm very fond of their story. Because Naomi was a widow. Initially, she left, the, left her area, left her land with her husband and their two sons. They go to a land called Moab. The two sons marry women who are called Moabites. They were women of the land. They were foreign women. The husband dies. Ten years later, the sons die. What a tragedy. Naomi is left as a widow. And so she tells her daughters-in-law, I'm going to go back to my land. I hear that God is good and God's doing a great thing. I'm going to go back to where I came from. You two pretty girls, go back to your land, find you another husband, and get on with your lives. And they all wept because they've been together for so long. They loved each other. And so we're going to pick up here because Orpah, the one sister, the one daughter-in-law decided, okay, cool, I'm going to go ahead and go back. After they cried and she got herself together, I'm going back to my people. And Naomi says it. She says, look, Naomi says to Ruth, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you or turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. What a commitment. 
What loyalty? What love? What love? And I dare say, because of how Naomi loved Ruth and Orpah, when it came time for her to leave, she would not leave her. Her mother-in-law poured out her love upon her. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. She said nothing more. She went with Naomi back to her land. Ruth 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, there was a wealthy and an influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So you see here, Ruth is not just going with Naomi just to sit up and just lay up and say, hey, let's, let's see what happens. She's willing to work. She's industrious. She's resourceful. And she wants to take care of herself and Naomi. Let's look. I'm not going to read the whole story. Let's drop down to verses 10 and 11. Ruth, okay, Boaz. Single women always, I want my Boaz. I want my Boaz. I want my Boaz. But we don't look at the things that Naomi, Naomi I'm sorry, Ruth. We don't look at what Ruth did to get Boaz's attention. It says, so Boaz speaks nicely to her, and he's telling her she can go in, you know, in his field. And she says, um, she fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked, I'm only a foreigner. I'm not even a woman of this land. Why are you treating me so kindly? He said, yes, I know. But I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law. Since the death of your husband, I have heard how you left your, your father and mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. So here's a wealthy, influential man, and he's hearing about the character of this woman that I dare say was cultivated by her mother-in-law. Let's look at Ruth chapter 3, 1 through 6. One day, one day, Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Ruth was not a woman that was prideful. She was open to instruction. And here you see Naomi providing instruction for Ruth. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now, do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. I hear some laughter. You know, you know what this means. Get yourself together. Smell good. Look pretty. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down and then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. Now you might think, oh, this is a story of seduction right here. She seduced Boaz, that's what happened. She did not seduce Boaz. She followed the godly instructions of her mother-in-law. In this case, now it's really like her mother because she left her parents. She left them in a foreign land, and she's now here with Naomi, the two of them together, side-by-side, side, partners. So she went and did what her mother-in-law told her to do. Let's go to verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. So Boaz wakes up and he sees her. 
Oh, that's the next one. Just one second for the next one. So Boaz wakes up and he sees her and they have conversations like, hey, cover me, you know, redeem my family, redeem me, all that. And so Boaz is impressed with that. I mean, he's watching her. He's listening to her. She works. She's a hard worker. She's loyal. She's full of love. And so now this is one more thing. Wow. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you ever did before for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. He is seeing Ruth's heart. Let's go to chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. So here's the end result. So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son, who then ends up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. The power of a mother's love. She did not give birth to Ruth. She was not raised up in Ruth's house, I mean, in Naomi's house. She was raised by, with the Moabite ways, the foreign ways, the foreign gods, the way they worshiped, the way they did things. She was not raised in Naomi's house, but yet when it came time for Naomi to go back to her land, she followed her. There were things that she imparted to her, and as a result of her listening to her mother-in-law, her being industrious and working and her following her instructions, she ends up getting married. She receives the promise of another husband and a baby. How many promises await our daughters? Because they await instructions from us. They await our wisdom. But if we are selfish, if we are caught up in our problems, if we're always thinking about what's going on with us, we cannot hear clearly from our Father to impart those instructions, biological or not. Could be women in the church that the Lord has assigned you to, your neighborhood, your job, your family. It doesn't have to be 15 things. I can't do all this, but there might be one. It's like, I don't want you to win the world, just this one. Look after this one. Love this one. Take care of this one. Because I have great things in store for this girl. Great things in store for this girl. And right now, all you can see is her brokenness. All you're experiencing is her pain and her anger. Had she been raised by you, she'd be completely different. Naomi did not, she did not turn Ruth away. She embraced her. When she saw, okay, well, this girl's determined. I'm going to go ahead and embrace her. She embraced her. Do not turn away your sons and daughters. Do not turn away those that God has sent you. Because it may not feel like it now, but there is a great reward for you to be yielded and submitted to the Lord's will to change one soul's life for eternity. When we were in Nigeria, we were talking to Bishop Oyedepo about the woman who led him to Christ. She was a missionary in Africa. This woman is 91 years old. She lives here in the States. She still lives. Can you imagine the reward this woman will receive on the other side? How could she have known this little African boy? Would win all these souls for Christ. 
Let us not be distracted by people's brokenness. Let us not be distracted by their shortcomings. Let us not be distracted by their lack of polish. Let us not be distracted because they don't walk right or talk right according to your definitions of walking right and talking right. See past what they are and see what they can become. With your love, with your prayer, with your support, with your encouragement, with you believing in them and supporting them. Sometimes that one word of encouragement will carry them the rest of their lives. I told a young woman once, after she had given birth, she wasn't married, and she was brave. She had the baby, doing the best she could as a single mom, and I just told her, I'm proud of you. I'm very proud of you. You're doing a great job. Almost 20 years later, she still holds that word in her heart. Was she perfect? No. Circumstances perfect? No. But that one thing I can say to encourage her, she said, no one has, no one up until that point has said, I'm proud of you. And no one since then has said, I'm proud of you. May the law of kindness and the law of love and words that produce life on the inside of people be found on your lips and found on your tongue continuously. May you build up and not tear down. For you are called to be great and wonderful mothers. To train up and raise up and encourage great and wonderful warriors for Christ. It's okay if you made mistakes. It's okay. I have. Lord knows I have. Lord knows. There's no perfect mother. And that's okay. There's no perfect mother. As long as you, as long as you repent, as long as you ask for forgiveness, as long as you don't stay up here in your pride, thinking you're perfect and you're not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought, but just bringing it down and say, you know what? I have sinned greatly. I'm so sorry. Let me help you get to where you're supposed to get. You know, being a mother is sacrificial. It is a labor of love for sure. With no payment in sight, no repayment in sight. But it will come. It will come. And that might be an eternity. Stacking up all these rewards because you selflessly gave. And don't think because they're 18, now it's time to pull back. No, you have to engage more. You don't pull back because you're 18. You engage more. Because now they're going out into a world full of hell. The devil and all his imps, they need you. More. When they're toddling around in two and three and preschool and five and adolescence, I mean, they're in your house and you are pretty much in control. But when they're 18 and beyond, they need you more. They need you to stay engaged. They need you to pray and talk and listen, 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 listen. Listen. Stop talking so much. Listen. 
Because in listening, you will find their true heart and what they're struggling with, what's hurting them, what makes them angry, what makes them sad, what makes them happy, what they dream about, their insecurities, their fears. And you may not have all the answers. I know I don't. You may not have all the answers. But we, we serve a true and living God that does. All the answers for every situation, for anything your child faces. And sometimes they can face some difficult things, and sometimes it's of their own doing, their own decision, bad decision making. That's not, that's not a time to say, I told you so, or see, look what you've done. No, it's like, well, you know what? It's like there's no hole too deep that God can't get you out of. There's no hole too deep, son, that God cannot get you out of. There's no hole too deep, daughter, that God can't get you out of. Do you think it was easy for T.D. Jakes when his daughter said, I'm pregnant, and she was 13? Do you think it was easy? Him being on the platform that he has? But he told her, uh-uh, we're going right out here. You will not stay home from church. You are my baby. We will go to church. And we will continue. And he did. And he loved her. And that's why that woman is, that, that, that's why that woman is in the ministry today. Right. Winning young women, old women, men, whoever. Writing books, doing conferences because he stuck by her. He didn't belittle her. Right. The mother did not belittle her. Did not make her feel that it was a mistake. Unfortunately, hers showed. And I shouldn't say unfortunately because that child has a life and a destiny. So I shouldn't say Unfortunately. So it doesn't matter the circumstances. I mean, God was there, and he blessed her. He blessed them. He blessed the family. He blessed the ministry. He blessed the mama. Blessed the mama. Can you imagine being that young? Afraid to tell your daddy. Afraid to tell your mama. But he just loved her through it. And our children have made or will make mistakes that may not make us feel good. But our Heavenly Father has seen our mistakes. And ours have not been on display. Ours are done in secret. I mean, because you know you can commit adultery in your heart, right? You can commit murder in your heart, right? So no one saw you commit murder. No one saw you kill her in your heart. But the Lord did. No one saw you sleep with that man. But the Lord did because you did it in your heart. He saw, he saw it. So let us never be found being critical of our children or not being loving or kind in any way. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I thank God for our mothers. I thank God for the mother that I had. I thank God for her giving her life to Christ at 48. I thank God for her loving him and trusting him for the last 10 years of her life. It's never too late to get it right. It's never too late to be right. It's never too late. You could have spent 48 years doing it wrong. Like, man, I wish I knew this stuff when I was a younger woman. I wish I knew when I was a young mother. I wish I knew. That's okay. You know now. You hear it now. Don't lament over the past. The past, the past. Don't lament over that. Because God is here now. You are here now. Up until this point, you've done, what you, you've done the best you could with what you had, with what you knew. But when you know better, you do better. You should do better. I should do better. 
Lift your hands and close your eyes. Our Father is so gracious, so loving and so kind. So loving and so kind. So Father, I just thank you for the mothers that are present here today, the mentors, the spiritual moms who are here on today, the aunties, those who give of themselves selflessly, the grandmothers, the godmothers, the mothers of the church, Father, the ones who don't even possess a title, but they operate in the assignment. Thank you for each and every one of them, Lord God, for those who are here in this sanctuary and those who didn't make it today. For the women who will hear this online, Father, I thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for loving us, for giving us chance after chance, for giving us wisdom, and for being our Prince of Peace. We thank you, Lord God. We don't have to be in condemnation over any mistake we've made because you are a Father who forgives. So thank you, Lord God. Thank you for forgiving us and helping us to do right and be right. Make a better path for the future. Thank you for rewarding us for what we've done it right. And thank you for that wisdom for helping us to do it right. We pray, Lord God, for every woman in this place, for wisdom from on high, from wisdom from on high, how to say things right, in the right tone, in the right way, how to pray for our babies, how to love them, how to encourage them, be patient with them as they're growing and learning. We thank you, Lord God, for any wayward child. They're on their way back in the name of Jesus. They're on their way back in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for every person in this earth having a purpose, a call, and a destiny. And we will see it fulfilled in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father God, for restoring relationships and strengthening others. Father, I pray for your grace upon the mothers today. Give them the secret desires of their heart. Bless them, Lord God, for I know you've seen their sacrifices. You've seen their tears. You've seen their hard work, their good days, and their bad, Lord God. So, Father, I speak a blessing over them now in the name of Jesus. May you be healthy and strong. May you be filled with joy. May you walk in peace continuously. May you be given unto as you give out to others. For your works have not gone unnoticed. May you be rewarded on this side and the other. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you for coming out on today. Hope you were blessed by the word. I know I was while I was studying. Lord, it's so good. I had other mothers and other examples, but I want to keep you here all day. I know you want to go enjoy either a home-cooked meal or one at the restaurant, whatever it is that you're doing today. I'm not sure what I'm doing yet. I haven't made it home, so I'm not sure what I'm doing yet, but may you enjoy the rest of the day, rest of the week. May the Lord just shine his light upon you and give you peace. And I'm happy to see you. I haven't been here in a couple of weeks, but I'll be here next week too. Lord, Lord willing. <laughs> Honey, I'm going to give you the microphone. Reverend Turnbow.
Amen, amen. Let's give her a hand again. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just bow our heads just for a moment. Thank you, Father God. Glory and honor.